gentlemen, we are back, back, back with the Hippodrome Casino podcast. My name is Chris, and I am joined by... Gillian. Well, Gillian, do you want to explain to the people who might not have listened before what you do at the Hippodrome? Well, Christopher, I am the creative programmer of the theatre, so I pick all the acts and book them. Good, and for anyone who doesn't know what I do, I run the digital marketing team. So I do the social media, arch your eyebrow at me, Gillian. I was just going to say you're the hashtag, that's your name. Yeah, so let people into a little secret running Emma's hashtag because people here don't have very good imaginations right Ginny do you want to go through what we've got coming up in the theatre sure we've got it's a bit quieter now for public shows because we're heading into the winter period of events and Christmas things but we have got for retro fans we've got Beverly Craven coming up that's very exciting she was here last year as well and did very well Um, we've got Harriet and we've got a brand new show called It's a Drag Brunch on a Saturday morning. Now, this drag brunch, can you tell me a bit more about this? I don't understand it. Well, there are some drag queens hosted by Mary Mack, who's quite famous in the drag world. Um, and you have brunch and you have lots of Prosecco. And there's performances as well on the day. Yeah, there's a full show. What date is that? It is the 4th of November. Brilliant. Yeah. And what time does that start? That starts at 11.30, Christopher. Well done. Brilliant. And what else have we got coming up after that? Uh, after that, then we're into Christmas. We've got, um, we've got the... Burlesque Idol final coming. More of which later. Yes, more about that later. Um, Christmas shows are lots of parties and events, uh, which we book entertainment for. Good. Yeah. I think what we should do now, let's talk about what we've seen in London of late. The research and development, you mean? The R&D budget. The R&D. I have been out quite a lot recently. Um, Obviously, the summer season's come to an end uh, at the Wonderground, or Underbelly Festival, as it was called this year. Uh, But I saw some great shows there. I saw Briefs, which was the main house show for August and September, Mm -hmm. which is an all-male burlesque review, and it was really good fun. Enjoyed that. Uh, So House of Burlesque 2.0, more on that later. Um... And then I have seen some musical theatre. Sure, yeah. Um, I think the highlight would be Bat Out of Hell at the Coliseum. Full disclosure, I also went to see Bat Out of Hell. Yeah, we did go to that together, let's not pretend. I saw a review before I went which said it was brilliantly awful and I would stand by that wholeheartedly. Nail on the head. (laughs) Nail on the head. It was three hours long, which is quite a long show for me. Um, But I can't say I wasn't engaged throughout. It was spectacular. Yeah. Though... OTT. Yeah, yeah. I remember spandex, I remember falsettos, I remember motorbikes and a shed load of dry ice. I don't think I could actually see you for most of the first half due to the dry ice, which is a bonus for everyone. Good. Anything else that you've seen? Um, I saw Footloose <laughs> at the Peacock, which uh, was pretty camp. Uh, really good, great choreography. There's lots of good things at the Peacock at the moment. I really want to go and see Cirque Eloise. And who was in Footloose? Uh, Gareth Gates. And... And Nolan. And a Nolan. Yeah, a Nolan. <laughs> what else have you seen? Uh, recently, I have been to see five guys named Mo. Uh, the oddly named Marble Arch Theatre, because it's a Spiegel tent. Yeah, because right. it's not a theatre <laughs> at all. It's not a theatre. I think I know why they've called it that, though. Um, it's amazing. Really great show, great venue. I thought it was fantastic. I have also seen that. Um, I was sat next to you oh, at the time. Oh, that's why I had uh, such a bad night. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I didn't really know. It's sort of a jukebox musical, and I didn't really, I didn't know any of the music before going into it. No, there were some songs I recognised, but I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, but I thought it was great. I mean, I'm not great. a trained dancer. I'm more of like an enthusiastic one. But I thought the dancing in that I'm was... I'm not a trained dancer. No, it's not official. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought it was one of the, some of the best sort of dancing uh, There I'd was seen some, of. yeah, there was some great 
great dancing, good singing. I think the venue really sells it though. Yeah. Quite unusual to have a musical in a Spiegel tent. And anything else that you can think of that you've seen? I mean, there's nothing on this list in front of you. So <laughs> if you can make some. Oh, let me freewheel, let me freewheel. Um, what else have I seen? Oh, we did Audra McDonald. Oh, yes. Lady Day. Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, which is across the road from the Hippodrome Casino, but it's finished now. That was pretty good. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, it was basically a one-woman show. Yeah, for, it was. And it was... Yeah. The songs of Billie Holiday. Yeah. Yeah, very intense, very, very dramatic. good. Very dramatic. We like very that sort dramatic. of thing. Uh, also, the Follies. Follies at the National. OMG, guys. Amazing. Yeah, now, I thought it was really good. Couple of notes. Um, <sighs> now, I mean, I'm all for not having intervals in shows. Uh, yeah, I think a maximum time you can run a show with no intervals about 90 minutes. Two hours and 20 minutes. So that is two hours and 20 minutes, and they do not let you back in if you go out. They do let you back in, but you've got to disturb the entire row twice, which nobody really wants to do. But Presumably not everyone drinks two bottles of wine before <laughs> they go in, but anyway. But I thought it was, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Well, I've, it's the first time I've ever been to the National Theatre oh. to see a show. And uh, yeah, I thought it was amazing. Well, uh, what's the actress's name? Melda Staunton. Very uh, good. Janie D, I think, is my favourite in the cast. Yes, no, she, she was I'm great. A big fan of her. Brilliant. Okay. A very pleasant and good evening, ladies, ladies, ladies. Right, everyone, we've got a special guest today. We're joined by Tempest Rose. Hello. Right, so, Tempest, we're going to ask you a couple of questions about your upcoming show. So we'll start with, can you tell us a little bit about Burlesque Idol? I can. Um, Burlesque Idol kind of does what it says on the tin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a totally unique concept that we created (laughs) eight years ago. Um, And basically, it's a vehicle to uh, allow young emerging burlesque talent to, A, perform somewhere incredible like the Hippodrome, um, an absolutely beautiful venue that they wouldn't have access to at that stage in their career um, for them to meet producers and performers who are really well known and really well respected in the industry to gain feedback on their performances from them and hopefully to make connections and have an amazing night. And so obviously the idol part makes it sound like a competition so there's heats and then there's semi-finals and then there's finals how does that work? Uh, there are heats and then there's the final so we um, we want to be respectful of our emerging artists and um, so it's a competition and we've done six heats this year uh, to the top two go through to the grand final and they mm-hmm. can perform the act that they won with or a totally brand new act and the winners are chosen on a split between audience votes so the audience that's their say as well and our judges have a vote as well okay brilliant and let's get the dates out of the way as well when's the next one 27th of October that's good and that's our last heat before the grand final on the 24th of November and the grand final will go on sale the day after the last heat yes well done thank uh, you you can get the tickets <laughs> on the website and all the normal places um, okay let's learn a little bit more about you now so can you tell us how you got started in burlesque yeah I started in classical acting and musical theatre and a friend I went to drama school with had uh, another friend um called Gillian George Lewis, yes. who you may know of, of very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, at that time, ran a burlesque troupe called The Kitten Club, which was London's longest running um, kind of revival, modern day burlesque troupe. Mm. So she put me in touch and said, uh, oh, I think you'd be really good at this. And I didn't know what burlesque was. So I turned up with a little dance routine that I put together and 
any underwear that was remotely presentable out of my <laughs> drawer, some kind of trilby, um, and had to do a little dance routine in the middle of a church in Brixton. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I did that, and uh, they interviewed me, and I sounded, tried not to sound too much like I had no clue what this thing was, um, and was invited to watch a show, which was genuinely one of the most refreshing, incredible mm. things that I'd ever seen. Um, so then I actually felt genuinely excited about burlesque and this art form um, and was accepted into the troupe. So I joined the Kitten Club in 2007. Mm-hmm. And after a year of doing that, I, I really felt that I'd kind of found um, found my, my art form, my calling. Mm. Um, so I stopped acting about six months or a year after yeah. that and just concentrated on burlesque. Amazing. And I suppose since you've been doing it for quite a while now, and burlesque must have changed beyond all recognition from where it was and where it is now. Um, ah, good point. Well, I think it's kind of doing a little full circle, which is really nice. And as House of Burlesque, um, which is my company that produces Burlesque Idol and other shows, um, it's very important for me to still try and fight to keep the elements of what made burlesque exciting and vibrant and refreshing to me. Um, so uh, it's kind of gone through a cycle. Um, it started really, really underground, just going on in uh, you know um, vintage nights as pop-ups and mm. underground clubs. And as the desire for the audience um, to see more burlesque, it grew into bigger and bigger and bigger spaces. Um, so, you know, we've just finished at the Underbelly Festival, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, we're here with Burlesque yeah. Idol. Um, so really well-established, wonderful venues now have burlesque as part of their bill. Um, as something becomes more mainstream, it can become, instead of an antidote to the status quo, it kind of tends to start to adhere to maybe commercial expectations of beauty, of femininity, of mm. um, dance styles, which was what it was always supposed to be kind of a battle against. So. Yeah. I find now, ten years on, um, at House of Burlesque, we're trying to reclaim that uh, that freshness, that unique voice that really made audiences fall in love with it in the first place, and that's a really nice challenge. And to me, that's really how the industry has um, been evolving and changing over ten years. Yeah, and just then you're talking about the development. That's what you did. 2.0. Yeah, that's right. So you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so 2.0 um, is a really exciting product. Uh, normally at House of Burlesque, I like to theme shows. Um, and so this time we decided to go for a completely contemporary, uh, which is called Neo Burlesque show. So mm. everything in the show is um, modern day related. So all the music is pop or remixed pop and the styling is all very modern. We also brought in technology. So we have three giant screens um, that uh, surround the stage where we project um our sets for different performers on, performers interact with the screens, uh, we have front projections, so we're working in um, kind of back to the roots of politics, of satire, of discussing all of these issues, tampon tax, uh, yeah. consumerism, yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, male-female gaze, uh, still super entertaining, still very political, we have whole sections of the show that are written fresh each uh, for each show, which comment on the news that's been going on that day, um, and again there's this technological element to it that's not really been seen in this way, fused with burlesque for. Okay, brilliant. And what and the people that are coming to the show now, do you think they know what burlesque is? Because I suppose when you started, people, when they saw you, they probably didn't know what to expect. But I suppose everyone has an idea of what burlesque is now. So I suppose with 2.0, you're trying to give them something different. 
Yeah, uh, we're really lucky in London has a hugely vibrant burlesque and cabaret industry. So most people now, uh, when you say burlesque, have at least some accurate understanding. Um, whereas, as you say, before, 10 years yeah. ago, they wouldn't really have a clue what it meant. I mean, I didn't, and I was in a burlesque troupe. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's really nice because it gives you the freedom to take their expectations and then really play with them because mm. they're already aware of some very um, well-known parts of the genre. Right. Uh, okay. Also, Tempest, can you just remind everyone of the upcoming dates for Idol? Absolutely. So our last heat for this year is going to be on the 27th of October. That's a 7.30 show on a Friday. And then the day after, um, tickets for the grand final will go on sale and that takes place on the 24th of November. Okay, brilliant. I've never been to an Idol final, but I have heard it is one of the best nights of the year, so I'm very much looking forward to it. It's epic. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Good. Right, so let's finish off with a few sort of uh, quickfire questions. Uh, we'll start with, when did you first come to the Hippodrome? Um, I guess it would be about three and a half years ago when we were... Um, so Idol started at Madame Jojo's, which sadly closed, and we were looking for an event space and I'd heard um, we had this incredible theatre so <laughs> came down and absolutely fell in love with the space it's an amazing venue and we are absolutely thrilled to be here well we're pleased to have you um, roulette blackjack or poker um, roulette Good choice. I would like to say it's because I feel it echoes life's great unpredictability but the truth is I don't actually know how to play the other two so <laughs> Uh, that's another reason why. That's a good enough reason. <laughs> and your favourite thing to do in London? Oh, probably walk along the South Bank you don't on a mean sunny that. day. <laughs> <laughs> why would I not mean that? <laughs> Maybe taking in a few market stores, picking and up a museums. second-hand book. <laughs> yeah, you know, selfie by the London Eye. <laughs> okay, that's a lie. Um, can you tell us your biggest <laughs> night out ever? My biggest night out ever? Yeah. Um, oh, okay, yeah. I will, I'm going to use this shamelessly as a little plug. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, so my biggest night out ever had to be the two after parties that I organised underneath the tunnels of Waterloo Station, which is a great venue called The Vaults, mm -hmm. um, where we did something called House of Burlesque Lock-In. And yeah. that was incredibly fun. Even I was at work and it was incredibly fun. So it was 700 people. We had silent disco. We had um, a cinema. We had a secret speakeasy done by the Cocoa Butter Club. We had pop-up performances, flash mobs, glitter, people being having temporary tattoos. Um, we had a whole boudoir done by Little Black Pants Club. Um, and it was a really, really brilliant night out. We just really wanted to capture this theme of being at an after party with us. Because mm. House of Burlesque, we, we like, when well, we're not walking down the South Bank, we like to have <laughs> when one or two uh, glasses of, well, of, uh, <laughs> our favourite tipple. And, uh, and, and, you know, let loose and have a good time. And we well, kind of wanted to involve people in this. And, you know, coincidentally, uh, we are actually doing another one. You're doing another yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Imagine you know, my surprise. Just Tempest. popped in my head uh, <laughs> on the 11th of November, in fact, on the 11th of November, yeah. 10 o'clock at night till 3am, and you can come and party with the stars of the House of Burlesque. Well, Should I, you wish. I, for one, will be there. It is in my diary. <laughs> Good. Um, right, can you tell us the biggest influence on your work? Yes. Um, my, I'm going to choose a burlesque performer for that, and that's yep. Gypsy Rose Lee. 
and uh, yeah, those not of you who... Not Susie Sauce <laughs> No, sadly not Susie Sauce we, we can't put that in. We, we definitely can't put that in. I'm only joking. We'll start, <laughs> we'll start again. Um, can you tell us the biggest influence on your work, please? Uh, yes, and I'm going to choose a burlesque star to relate that to, um, which would be Gypsy Rosalie. So anyone who knows burlesque knows that she is just the most famous burlesque performer mm-hmm. that has ever lived. She's passed away now. Um, but the reasons I love her aren't necessarily because she's very famous or well-known, but because she she um, really, really managed to combine being a performer and being a female in the industry with a great sense of being a businesswoman. Yeah. Um, she brought a really unique strands to the art form that I pay tribute to in House of Bellas 2.0, which is this kind of striptease whilst talking to the audience. She was a great comedian. She had her own TV show. She made sure, you know, in a time where women didn't have a lot of autonomy over their career, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, that she um, was always paid uh, if, uh, paid her fee and then paid profit with any soda she did. She mm. organised, she produced, she trained other women. Um, she was a fascinating, fascinating character and a completely amazing businesswoman. Um, so I, uh, she is a huge idol of mine and a massive yeah. influence in my career. Oh, wow, that's interesting. And the next question is, can you tell us the biggest gamble you've made in your life? Um, I would imagine would be when I decided to stop uh, my part-time day job. What and were you be doing a... before? Oh, I've done all kinds <laughs> of things, my love. What were you all doing? All kinds of things. At that time, I was working at the British Library. Really? I was as a project manager and not a librarian, which ruins you're... a lot of people's fancies. Yeah, I can't that. imagine you doing a proper job. I've worked in all kinds of things: HR, retail, hospitality. Really? Yes, I've been a PA, I've been a project manager, um, and all of those things actually really helped me out when yeah. I ran my own business yeah. <laughs> because I understood what spreadsheets were and mm. tax and all that kind of thing. And um, so, I guess my biggest gamble, which has paid off thank goodness was to to ditch a uh, ditch a day job and to do performing full-time brilliant and the final question we always ask everyone is can you name one hippodrome performer living or dead that you'd most like to work with um that's a very hard choice it's a very hard question you have a lot of stars as yes. i saw at the fifth birthday party production recently which was wonderful um i uh would have to choose which is probably what everyone says maybe uh prince it's got to be prince yes it has to be prince it has to be prince surely okay well ladies and gentlemen uh thank you very much tempest rose thank you for having and me and we've said the dates enough so we don't need to say them again but <laughs> come on down it's gonna be great <laughs> thank you see you then Right, that's the end of episode two. Thank you for listening, and of course, thank you to Tempest Rose. Uh, just before I go, our social handles, Hippodrome Casino at Instagram, Hippodrome LDN Twitter, and Hippodrome Casino on Facebook. On there, we tell you all about the shows that are coming up, all about what's going on in the casino, and loads more. So make sure you check those out. Also, if you could like and subscribe, that would be really good. And let us know what you think of the podcast. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Thank you for listening, and take it away, Eden Espinosa. Once I prove my worth And then I meet the wizard What I've waited for since, since birth And with all his wizard wisdom By my looks he won't be blinded Do you think the wizard is dumb? Or like Munchkin, so small-minded? No, he'll say to me I see who you truly are A girl on whom I can rely And that's how 
one time with the wizard my whole life will change because once you're with the wizard no one thinks you're strange no father is not proud of you no sister acts ashamed and all of us has to love you when by the wizard you're acclaimed and this gift or this curse i have inside baby at last i'll know why as we work hand in hand the wizard and i and one day he'll say to me alphaba a girl who is so superior shouldn't a girl who's so good inside have a matching exterior and since folks here to an absurd degree seem fixated on your verdigree would it be all right by you if i degreenify you and though of course that's not important to me all right why not just had a vision almost like a prophecy i know it sounds truly crazy and true the vision's hazy but i swear someday there'll be a celebration throughout oz that's all to do 